0: everybody welcome back to the Mountaineer Media podcast season two I can't even believe that I'm saying that but here we go season two right now starting officially today and if you caught the anniversary episode that we just did you know that we are doubling down on our future about helping West Virginia move forward
1: and today on this beautiful Thursday morning our first guest of season two is someone who's doing just that but on the inside of the West Virginia Statehouse
0: Yeah, Joshua Higginbotham is the youngest member in the House of Delegates and is a Republican tirelessly working every single day to try and improve the place that we call home.
1: And we get into some great topics, things like what it's like being a West Virginia delegate, some important topics like LGBTQ equality, financial literacy in public schools, criminal justice reform, and of course, Governor Justice's baby dog. So kick back, relax, enjoy this episode with Josh on the Mountaineer Media Podcast, presented by Mr. B. Mace, hit the music.
2: The uh, sun does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do.
1: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Mountaineer Media, and today we're joined by Joshua Higabon. Josh, good morning. How are you?
2: Good morning, Cooper. Glad to be here.
1: We're glad to have you. So of course, CJ is at the beach, but uh, good morning to you, CJ. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Internet a little spotty, but uh, I got the uh,
0: the ocean just outside the door here, so I'm, I'm okay, even don't if feel, the internet's yeah, a little too off. Bad for <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: not. I'm cool. Yeah, I'm cool. But no, things are good, man. Things are good. So, so Josh, you... Um, Maybe just um, you, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself. Um, you are a member of the West Virginia House of Delegates, but for folks listening, they've probably seen you on the news, on social media, because you're, you're very young for the role that you're in. Um, maybe just kind of open up, how the heck did you even get started in this? And and what was it like being so young, being elected to you know a pretty substantial office within West Virginia?
2: Yeah, well, it was uh, certainly a challenge being the youngest elected official in the state at the time. Um, you know, in 2016, I was elected to the state legislature. I was 19 when I won my first race, and uh, it's been one heck of a journey—a uh, very sharp learning curve—and and I've I've enjoyed every minute of it. But uh, I currently serve as the vice chairman of the House Education Committee, and I currently working on about 100 projects as uh, <laughs> as usual. And uh, previously, our economic development chairman in the House, and uh, uh, yeah just working away and, and, uh, uh, try to get through college. I graduated a while back and, uh, it's not too
0: far back 2018,
2: 2018, <laughs> still in grad school too. Awesome. Uh, still in grad school. What, what do you studying? Yeah, yeah. What do you work on? Uh, so I'm trying to get my master's in economics. Okay. Uh, and eventually I want to teach, uh, I, and fun fact for you. I'm the only, uh, I'm the only college student in West Virginia history to have to get a, ruling from the West Virginia Ethics Commission just to take college classes, being vice chair of the education committee. We hope oh, wow. yeah.
0: that's uh, yeah, the that, same. You're riffing a, your own game. What a strange, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. Why did they feel that they had to, why Why did they feel like that, that was a conflict of interest? Just because you work on the education side doesn't mean, you know, it, it shouldn't mean that you shouldn't be able to still educate yourself. that, that what a oh, weird of course. Of course. situation.
2: Well, we, we did it just to be safe. Just to make sure <laughs> well, when you're in politics, they'll hold anything against you. Very,
0: yeah, 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 you that's, so that's when you walked in on like day one of class, basically, and you're the youngest kid in the in the room, what was that like? Did you feel like it was everybody's eyes on you? Like or maybe uh some of the stereotypes and the stigma, you know, getting thrown around a little bit being the young gun, but did you feel like any of that was true early on, or did that even not even wasn't a thing?
2: Well, I had to break a lot of stereotypes. You know, yes, there's a lot of people at the Capitol who were, uh, you, you know, re- of a very respectable age in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And and uh, I'll tell you, a, a lot of them thought that I would be rolling in there with a fidget spinner in hand. <laughs> <laughs> a
0: fidget spinner.
2: Yeah, well, back then. 2016. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, uh,
2: and in fact, I'm, I'm not going to tell you who, but there was one delegate who was in his 80s. He thought I was a page. These are <laughs> middle school and high school kids who uh, – you know run errands for editors yeah and he actually had me go get a cup of coffee for him and I had politely <laughs> cool. afterwards explain to him no I'm actually one of your colleagues so
1: that's funny, <laughs> that's funny man. and I mean it's so I think it's so important too that you um because I've read a little bit I've seen a little bit about like what you've spoken about like you were very like in high school and stuff you were very involved like you it felt like you were on trajectory to do something in public service or some type of leadership position but I do think it's so important that um the common like gripe of people in our generation like I'm 26 CJ you know we're roughly all the same age here like is that there's not enough young people involved and whether we're being held back from it or we're just not not enough young people are just stepping up to the plate and saying hey you know what like I want to be a part of this system did you feel like you just were you called to this I mean did you feel like you growing up you like you wanted to be in public service or it just kind of just naturally happened after you you know come through high school and then into college
2: Yeah, so I've always been involved in the community, whether it's with my church or different organizations that I I served with in in high school. And uh, you know it's just something that I've always felt passionate about is is to try to give back to the community that's been so good to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's one of the reasons I ran at such an early age. I'd always had an interest in politics, but I realized that there were so many people that I went to high school and college with who were simply leaving. And there wasn't a single person that I graduated with that didn't think at one point that they would have to leave the state. Right. And that's what we're seeing. And, I, and Cooper, CJ, I think you both know a ton of people just like I do who have had to leave for economic no. reasons, for educational reasons, for right. social and cultural reasons. And uh, I think that's the reason we're not seeing more young people stepping up to the plate is because they're simply leaving. Mm-hmm. We're having a serious brain drain in West Virginia. And I'm, that's some of the, one of the things that I'm trying to reverse.
0: Are we ever going to get to the point where there are so few young people trying to run for it? it's like they're standing outside like, hey, we need some volunteers in the House of Delegates? You ever think that? <laughs> uh,
2: well, we actually have a lot of young people now, oddly enough. So it used to be it was a you know the a more established person sure. game, um, but we actually now we're seeing exactly what you're talking about. A lot of older people are retiring and they don't want to step up to the plate anymore. They're just you know they're tired of it. And we have probably 10 or 12 people under the age of 35 in the house.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, we have a lot of people and, and, and I think there's six of us under 25.
1: Okay, yeah. Um,
2: so we're seeing exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. What, um, what surprised you the most, uh, maybe good or bad, when you before you got into quote unquote politics or public office, what, what's something maybe that sticks out as like surprising, um, good or bad about serving and trying to get stuff accomplished?
2: um it, it is a thankless job that's what a lot of people told me beforehand but I didn't really believe it but well, well I guess I could have believed it but I you probably just
0: didn't know what that meant you know yeah so yeah. Uh, now that you've you're living it <laughs> yeah I can, you probably have a better understanding
2: yeah well uh, you know I I I grew up watching uh, some of my favorite shows was The, the West Wing and Scandal and House mm-hmm. of Cards and some of mm-hmm. these other really dramatic political shows and there, there's a lot less uh, drama and it's more of just kind of sitting around uh, and, and listening to lectures and, and boring advice and, and then making a decision that way so it's there's there's a lot less drama less
1: <laughs> I mean, right. mm-hmm. murders hopefully like oh, House yeah. of Cards yeah, there's, yeah. there's a few less covering up <laughs> yeah exactly great show House of Cards oh. okay. But, and let, let me ask you this then, because so many of like, you know, we announced that you're coming on the podcast and we've always been on, you know, this show is it's very rarely of a political, we, we have dabbled in with interviewing politicians, having a few on, um, but we didn't mention that you were coming on and a lot of people um, were charged up and they sent a, a lot of DMs, a lot of messages on LinkedIn, a lot of questions, a lot of people. Um, I, I think they just, you know, they see any representative and they, and they look at the individual and they just kind of pour out their their problems what what they're you know what they're dealing with which rightfully so i mean these are the people that we elect to handle things in society and advocate for our voice um but from from your perspective and and let me just say my perspective i don't think government can be the answer to every single problem that we have in society um knowing that at least that's my opinion i don't know what yours is i'll let you you speak for yourself but what Um, How do you prioritize what you think is number one, two, three, four? Like, how do we go from all these stuff, just get shouted at you, Jonathan, look into this gun rights, this, that, like everything is just coming at you. How do you personally say, okay, here are my top priorities and what I believe West Virginia needs to tackle, um, you know, or, you know, nationally or within specific within West Virginia?
2: Don't ever listen to the loudest voices. Don't ever listen Ooh. to the loudest voices. Don't See, read the
1: comments. Also, yeah, read the comments.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, uh, I, I think that that so many people focus on the culture wars, the Ooh. the social issues that, frankly, we can have our opinions on, but they will never advance West Virginia. They won't. And I think that the solutions that. Uh, are going to really fix this state transform our economy improve infrastructure our education system it's going to be the boring issues that only a small percentage of people are going to be talking about mm-hmm. and as an elected official i have to separate what is trending on social media or what is the one topic being talked about on in traditional media uh, and and separate that from the real issues the facts the the professionalism of statecraft of policy and and understand the difference between the two, because the, the I can assure you, uh, the if we were a true democracy, we would be a horrible society because nothing would ever get accomplished, and only the social issues, only the culture wars would, would be uh, would be dominating the conversation, and not and not good policy. So I have to separate the two.
0: Makes sense. Do you find that because it's it's those things that nobody talks about? And maybe that's why it's the thankless job too, because it isn't so much about the big flashy things that are coming through, you know, as bills and m- whatnot. It is the things that you know down, you know, just deep down that is going to end up making the biggest difference. And nobody, it's like, well, that's not very interesting. You know, maybe is that why it's kind of the thankless job and it's in that way?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, and, you know, I've, I make hundreds of votes every single year, hundreds of decisions. And I'll, I'll give you one small example, and this is going to be boring. Uh, you know, this, I'm, I'm going to try not to make yes, your list, but it was actually uh, against the law in West Virginia in in many cases for, uh, for a utility company to partner with an internet provider to put broadband lines on the utility poles. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds really boring, but we made that legal this year in, in certain instances. And uh, essentially now it's going to make it to where we're going to get faster internet in a lot of these rural areas. Mm. But everybody talks about, you know, they want that one slogan on the that mail piece or that TV commercial when they run for office, better internet. Well, most voters don't understand what that means. Right. I just talked about a policy that not many people even understood or, or knew about uh, until uh, until right now. So, I mean, and, and there's hundreds of examples just like that, that, that we need to, that should get more attention, but most people don't have the time or the, the attention span to listen to
0: right well, that's actually the, very interesting to be honest <laughs> because it, it does seem like that it uh, seems like a no-brainer yeah what <laughs> what can we do to exactly get better internet yeah I mean stick it on the the it makes sense to me <laughs> so, instead of
2: putting it underground yeah yeah, yeah. Put it on the telephone lines the internet yeah.
1: stuff. Yeah. well Josh we were talking beforehand too that you said you know you you maybe would love to do a podcast or something mm-hmm. to me it, it seems that politicians are and not like linking them all together but but like you just said like we ever was just shout from social media um then it would be chaotic we would be moving we would be following trends we it would be hard to do the like structural nitty-gritty work that like a representative does but at the same time politicians tend to just be frustrated about that it's in these like little bite-sized like just like i don't know just like overly simplistic slogans like you were saying um i think a lot of people get frustrated by that because it's just like, well, there's more to it, like America first, they're just, they just say like things that are like, okay, but what does that even mean? Like, so I think it's just, I think there's more, there, there should be an opportunity for, but like tying it back to you doing a podcast, like it may be just the public needs just general more education around issues in a format that's not as just like you know, based on re-election stuff, or it's just purely a social media, like attention getter type of communication, like maybe like government or institutions, I think if you really want to be effective to communicate with the general public, it's to do like some sort of like education campaign or long form style explaining like the process of what actually it takes to get a bill from the house to the governor's desk to get signed to pass a law. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and uh, somebody in my office, uh, when I when I told them I was thinking about doing a podcast to explain policies like this, they're like, you should name it, Getting Higgy With It. And uh, they, I, I thought, well, that's pretty catchy. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's exactly what we need. And traditionally, most elected officials or policymakers, they, uh, they, they do op-eds. They'll do a one-page op-ed in, in the paper. But, you know, I, I still read the paper. I read the Wall Street Journal and the Charleston Gazette. Um, but a, a lot of people don't nowadays. They listen to podcasts. They're on social media and YouTube, and the attention span of so much of the electorate is so short that you know I, I dare I say I need to be doing policy lectures on TikTok, uh, right. I, I, you know, and, and Vine if you remember that from right. a
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. you know,
2: younger, uh, and and that really is the the most effective way. So so we have to meet. Voters, we have to meet the our constituents where they're at. We can't expect them to pay attention uh, to everything. They, I, I hope they do, and I commend people that do. But it's a small number of people, so we have to meet them where they're at, uh, and that's doing stuff like podcasts and interviews and op-eds and social media to to reach them.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? Let's take a quick break for the Mountaineer Roasting Company coffee break. And if you've been following along, which I'm sure you have, but hey, maybe you're a new listener, if you go over to MountaineerRoasting.com, MountaineerRoasting.com, and use code MEDIA15, that will save you 15% off on West Virginia roasted delicious coffee that gets shipped right to your door. Rusty and the guys up there at Mountaineer Roasting, uh, you know, we had some conversations a few months ago, it made sense for us to partner, uh, so much because, they believe in west virginia they believe in community they're doing it right um we really just vibed with them we had resting on the podcast um and they're just great people so we wanted to bring you guys a discount so and who doesn't love coffee so get coffee shipped right to your door roasted none of that like grocery store stuff get the real deal authentic small business west virginia coffee uh use code media 15 at mountaineerroasting.com. thank you guys
0: I do think that part of the reason that there is this, not a resentment, maybe, maybe that has always been right. Not everybody is going to be a fan of their, their their local politics. Right. And that, I think that's just normal, but I do think part of the reason why is because of this maybe growing divide among the two parties. Um, Do you, do you think that that's almost overblown or is that just like, It it does continue to almost get worse, at least in, you know, places like that, what we feel like the newspaper and traditional media outlets um, that somebody is always telling us that there's just a divide. There's a divide between, you know, the two parties. I guess my my point being is, is that turning off people or is that almost getting, is that the reason that that people are getting turned off or is that just almost overblown and not the truth and just it's always been like that?
2: So there definitely is a greater uh, divide in this country uh, between, uh, between the two parties. And I'm speaking at a, at a national, not a West Virginia level. Even though there are fewer people on the far right and the far left, in fact, the majority of Americans are closer to the middle. Uh, and, and there's more people in the middle than ever before. That's why we've seen in West Virginia more people leaving things like the Democratic Party and becoming an independent. There are right. more independents you know, than there are like Democrats in West Virginia, and, and mm-hmm. it's pretty much the largest voting block. So at the state capitol, though, I consider many of the Democrats my friends. Many Democrats get along with Republicans. You get a few hot-headed people who uh, bicker and fight and the very far left and far right, but we mostly agree on policy. In fact, most votes pass with 90 votes or greater or even unanimous. Mm -hmm. it's those hot button issues that that divide us and i'll tell you just from my personal experience i no longer wear my legislative pin on my lapel this is not my capital pin Mm -hmm. i'm supposed to wear it that's that's what gets me through security every day but (laughs) but this is actually a a pin of george washington i got this at mount vernon a number of years ago i've been wearing it ever since uh, because he was the first and only president to actually refuse to join a political party Mm -hmm. and um for me, it's about policy and not about partisanship.
0: Okay. Josh Hagenbotham has dropped his party. He is no longer John, a member of
1: any party. Slow down here. You're going to get him We just breaking.
0: Yeah. No, 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 no.
1: Well, Josh, I mean, uh, that's the question I was going to say is that do I was going to ask you do most like Republican Democrats, like behind closed doors, are just generally like, like friendly towards each other? And then it's like, it's almost like, to me, it's like you come out on camera. I mean, maybe not at the local level as much, but then it's just like a show. But then like you go behind closed doors and it's like, you know, hopefully it's like, surely to God, these people can get along somewhat better than it looks like on in the media. Um, cause it just seems absurd, right? I mean, it just seems absurd that like one person is saying this and the other person is saying the sky's not blue. I, I, was, I was curious if like behind closed door that, you know bipartisanship could happen more but it's just because of elections and because of optics and because of appearances like it can't be outwardly as you know bipartisan as it may be in reality it is on the inside
2: Well, on, on the inside you know at, at the state level we share offices for the house of delegates there's one hallway in the capitol where all the delegates democrat and republican uh where we work and then there's the chamber and we all sit beside each other so we, we have to communicate um, so my second term, the person who sat beside me was a Democrat from right. Greenberg and he was, he was a good friend of mine. Um, so, and we talked every day because we sat right beside each other.
1: Right. So
2: we get along, we have our disagreements, but most things are unanimous or nearly unanimous in our decisions. Uh, it's different at the national level because that's where a lot of more focus is. Uh, but I think that, that when people are presented with two choices, a binary option, they're gonna choose the one that they most identify with. And, and for me, I, I mostly agree with, with Republican politics. That's why I'm a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't always agree with them. And often I disagree with my own party um, and we all do. So mm-hmm. I think that, that just the, the mob mentality that, that human nature allows for, uh, it, it gives us the sense that, that our government is divided now more than ever that's just that's just human nature and that's the way we
0: perceive things Jeff Campbell was it Jeff Campbell is that what? who it was yeah. yes it was Jeff. Yeah. yeah yeah Jeff good guy I, I had a feeling when he said that Greenberg County good person cool dude I I, I had a feeling I had a feeling no that's that's funny though um, so it, but kind of going back to Cooper's question there do you guys is it like fist bumps and handshakes outside of the chambers though or is it still a little bit of uh, the cold shoulder occasionally.
2: Depends on the person.
0: <laughs> definitely,
1: definitely.
2: Uh, I mean, most of us get along, we, we really do. I'll give you an example. Last week, um, you had delegate Danielle Walker from Morgantown, uh, her, her son, who was, was my age, she's, well, he was 23, he was uh, days away from his 24th birthday. He passed away of leukemia, died mm-hmm. suddenly, only a few weeks after uh, after being diagnosed. And within a couple of days, we organized one of the largest Red Cross blood drives at the Capitol in recent memory.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: people in both sides donated and we all helped to put it together. Uh, normally it takes three months to organize. We did it in like three or four days. Yeah. And, and, and that goes to show that even though we have our policy disagreements, most of us do get along. And that, that really does speak to, uh, to, I think, West Virginia values.
1: I would hope so. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I, I did see that in the news and it, it was um, sad news. Um, so I, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. Um, but you're right. You you have been you're not afraid to break with your party. Um, you voted against I think you've been like in some circumstances, the only Republican that like voted against. Was it the transgender ban, like sports ban bill? You voted I, was against the,
2: it? I was the only one in the House. There no. were five uh, Republicans in the Senate.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, which is it's no, I mean, hey, look, that's like political. I mean, you know, that's willing to say, Hey, look, I don't, I don't agree with this. I'm going to vote against it. Um, so I certainly can respect that. And, you know, recently you posted a video on social media coming out as, as a gay man and said, Hey, look, this is who, this is who I am. This is who I, I've i been. And it doesn't change my view on, you know, I'm still the same person. I'm still Josh. I'm, and I'm still, I still hold these values. Um, what has that experience been like for you? Um, and then what would you say for the people that give you, give you directly maybe criticism saying hey josh that's great and we support you but like but the republicans general stance is not necessarily so and a lot of folks maybe in the lgbt lgbt community don't feel as much love um from the traditional republican set what's that been like for you and then what you know do you have any sort of goals and ambitions with trying to communicate that and be that within the republican party
2: so i'll just say that it has been remarkably positive. and. The Republican Party does get a bad reputation simply because of a, a small percentage of, of our members who I'm going to blatantly say um, tend to subscribe to bigoted policies and bigoted beliefs. We, we have extremists in both parties. And I'm, I am I would be lying if I said we didn't have that in the Republican Party. Uh, and there are a handful of people who simply do not want me in the party. I, I'm, I'm the first openly gay, uh, openly LGBT Republican to ever hold office in West Virginia, not just as a a gay man, but any openly LGBT person um, in, in at least this part of Appalachia, definitely the whole state. And uh, you know, I'm proud of who I am. I never had the concern or the fear that I would not be welcomed in the Republican party. It was, it was more of a a family thing. There were just a handful of people in the family who didn't know yet, but uh, as soon as they did, I decided to come out publicly and -hmm. I was welcomed with open arms by almost every single one of my Republican colleagues. Mm -hmm. It has been remarkably positive. Uh, The the interactions have been respectful and cordial, and um, it it, it went 10 times better than I had ever expected. Now, there's Mm -hmm. still policy disagreements. Uh, I think there's some people who are, um, you know, as I said, a small number of people who are motivated by bigoted tendencies. Um, But I think the majority of the policy disagreements for my community, is not motivated out of hatred, but simply motivated out of, um, uh, dare I say, ignorance, people who have not met an LGBT person. There were right. elected officials at the Capitol who said that I was the first uh, uh, LGBT person that they ever met, which of course is not true. Right, that's I've completely false. <laughs> <to tell them. laughs> right. uh, like a, sitting lawmakers at the Capitol. And and I do hope to change some hearts and minds on on policy. But for most of my colleagues, I don't think it's motivated out of hatred or poor
1: Right. Well, I, I hope, I hope that's the case because, um, you know, you're a white male elected official. Um, I, I hope the you know some of the folks that you said are just flat out in the wrong about it, bigoted. Um, extend that same love and appreciation and support to maybe an African American transgender male or female. I hope that's the same dynamic and conversation That's it's not not just white male. Okay, yeah, Josh, we know you. That's great. That everything's good. I would I would encourage them, and I think you are pressing them to just say, hey, look, like you can't, it's not pick or choose here. It's an, it's an acceptance of an entire group of people. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, I wanted to bring that up because I thought it was brave of you and I thought it was honest. And I think you doing that, um, you never know how many people saw that, heard that, felt that, and maybe they were inspired to, you know, run for office, do something, or even just come out to their family or just, you know, be more accepting of their workplace or whatever it may be. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you did it in a way that made it possible for other people to, you know, and get inspired from it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And, and it was a long road to get there. Uh, I wanted to be open when I first ran for office. I actually first started coming out to friends and some family when I was in high school. Uh, but it, it, if you ask any LGBT person, it's it's a very long process, um, especially somebody, uh, especially for somebody who's in the public eye.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but no, I, I hope that at the very least it inspires a couple people to. And I've had a few people privately tell me that they came out within a few days after I came out to some mm-hmm. of their friends and family. Um, wow. Uh, so I, that that, really was probably that alone was worth it to me more than yeah. anything else.
0: And I don't know if, if for those who haven't, I went to, a, and maybe this isn't even like the, the place or the time to say this, but I went to a, my first <laughs> drag show the other day that, that that was like the most fun that i've ever had so uh that's like everybody's right now enjoy life like d- do what you want to do have fun you yeah. know and uh anyway yeah so that was my two cents <laughs> into that as well but uh that's good that stuff. was that was worth it it was fun it was fun
1: well, I mean, Josh, you know why we still have you. What are your top priority, or what do you think, in your opinion, are the top priorities for West Virginia? Broadband's everyone's mind. You mentioned you passed a bill that hopefully accelerates that getting that done. Everyone says broadband. West Virginia could be the East Coast, Colorado. We could be a tourism state. Like, you know, those are the things on um, that are legit opportunities for us. But a lot of people submitting from social media, they say, you know. More businesses coming in. Um, another topic in, on on their mind was financial literacy and education. I know you're big on education. Maybe you could speak a little bit about all that. But what are some of the things that you're most focused on? You know, as we head into summer here.
2: Well, going to financial literacy, I think that people need. I, I mean, I obviously think that people need to to study it and to learn it. Uh, the issue is, we are uh, we currently teach economics in school. That is a, a requirement for half credit. Um, and it's often emerged or, or synthesized with, with sociology or civics and stuff. Um, and uh, my goal is to actually replace the economic portion with the financial literacy because they overlap so much, making a mm-hmm. separate standalone credit. And, and our bill actually did that. And it passed the House. It's passed the House for the last two years. But unfortunately, somebody who's a co-sponsor voted against a bill that the Senate wanted. So then the Senate killed my financial literacy bill. Simply because of who one of the co-sponsors is. That's that's probably the most annoying side of, of politics is the 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 Horse trading. Yeah, yeah. It's and and uh, not revenge, but payback. Right. For killing one of their bills. Well, we're going to kill one of your bills now. Um. So so that is eventually going to happen. We're uh, next year. We're not going to have that person as a co-sponsor. Uh, <laughs> get it out of the way. Lesson it. Yeah, that's right. Uh. And then uh. You you had mentioned economic development. And mm-hmm. this is something I've been working on. We, we did have our opportunity zone bill that, that I spearheaded two years ago. COVID hit the moment it took effect. So it hasn't really had time to, to grow. Um, but basically there are 55 zones in West Virginia. These are, are impoverished uh, precincts, uh, census tracts, that a company will have zero taxes for the first 10 years if they move to. So most of the time a company moves to an area that's already affluent, an area that's already doing well economically. Uh, and and our bill said, well, it's not gonna cost the state anything because these are companies who are not already here. Mm-hmm. Uh, move to an area where there is poverty, uh, where there is hopelessness, where there is an economic depression, and you will not have any taxes. And uh, the first few months, it was a success. We, we saw a lot of companies Move into into some of these areas, Greenbrier County, rural Greenbrier County, uh, the 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 Elk City in Charleston really was was growing, mm-hmm. and then COVID hit. Um, but now we're coming out of that, and I think it's going to really, uh, really benefit. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other ideas that I'm, I'm sure we don't have time to talk about.
1: Yeah, no, no I, I like the financial mean, I mean, I'm a, I'm, my actual job is a financial advisor. So I think I think school should have everything from, you know, car loans, credit cards, student loans, like you shouldn't come through a public school and not know anything about student loans and then just be like, yeah, I'll take four, like $300,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in some cases, crazy amounts of money, like that should be a requirement through public education. It's kind of absurd that it's not. Hey guys, hopefully this episode with Josh, uh, you know, hopefully you're enjoying it because we had a great time talking to him. But look, if you're a business owner, let me talk to you real quick. If you're looking to hire some, what stresses you most about that process? Is it the time involved, the extra administrative work, the possibility that you may make the wrong choice or get someone who isn't a good fit? Well, Mountaineer Employment Solutions can help you with all of that. They do the searches, the screening, the administrative work like payroll and workers comp. And if the person doesn't work out, they can take take care of the disciplinary action, and even in the assignment and find a replacement if needed. Hiring is not easy and they, Mountaineer Employment Solutions, make it seem that way. So go over to beamountaineer.com if you're a business owner and you're looking to hire in West Virginia. This episode is also sponsored by Raise Rub, a true all-purpose seasoning packed full of mouthwatering herbs, 21 to be exact. And Raised Rub can be put on just about anything. Beef, wild game, chicken, casserole, stews, the list goes on and on. So jump over to RaisedRub.com or go to Amazon, search Raise Rub, spelled like it sound, Raise Rub, and get it shipped right to your house ASAP. It's delicious stuff. You'll be able to impress your guests, say, hey, look, this is an authentic West Virginia small business, and I shop local, and it all goes right back into the economy. So we're so grateful to Brody and the team over at Raised Rub, and we hope you guys support them as well let's get right back to the episode with josh higgeboggle um another quick thing i want to hit on what's your thoughts on uh medicinal cannabis
2: i'm fine with it. yeah that's fine um you know i i'm i'm actually in favor of adult use i've got no problem with that Mm -hmm. Um, uh, why have
1: we dragged our feet on why why is west virginia a little bit behind like we're seeing virginia move quicker like why have we dragged our feet a little bit on in your opinion
2: it's a generational thing It, it really is So um, my first term, you know, there were a lot more older members of the legislature and now we have a lot more younger ones. But the first year I was there, adult use failed 75, 25 in the house. It wasn't even close. Yeah. And a few months ago, we had a vote on it again. This time it failed 52,
1: 48.
2: Mm. It was was razor Mm -hmm. thin. That that is full decriminalization. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So um, I think that after next year's election, we're going to see more young people elected. Personally, I think Republicans are going to lose a few seats in the House uh, just because Trump's not on the ballot. Interesting. So I, I, I think that uh, uh, I think that we're, I think it's going to happen this time. Mm-hmm. I really,
1: do. we need it, man, because West Virginia is it's hurting with the opioid crisis and something like medicinal cannabis. I mean, I, I, in my opinion, you can, people can have. Moral arguments about a full adult use i'm in favor full adult use for people to do it, but medicinal just seems absolutely absurd that we don't have a robust medicinal industry in West Virginia, given the fact that our state's crippled by pain killing medication with with individuals hooked on Oxycontin and you know all the other opioids like. so I don't know. I'm I'm glad to I'm glad to hear you're in favor of it. Hopefully the state gets its act together and we can move quicker from an industry perspective. Because I think about it like macroeconomics. Like if Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, if if they move quicker than we do, then industry gets built up. That just leaves us four or five years behind. Um, and that's money. That's tax revenue. That's jobs. That's you know people alleviating pain. Um, so hopefully hopefully we see some progress on it.
2: Well, I, I hope so as well, and, and we are seeing. part. The, the issue is that in 2017, when we passed the original bill, uh, it was flawed. It, it was mm-hmm. not vertically integrated. It was it was difficult to get into into the process. Two million dollars was the minimum startup costs, and there are a few in state growers and dispensaries that can afford that. They can afford that. Yeah. They basically guaranteed that it's going to get some of these national guys to come in and have a monopoly on the industry in the state. Um, so we've slowly been fixing it. The, the next thing we need to do, and I sponsor the bill to do this, we're gonna. I think we'll have the votes in January to do it. Um, legalize medical research and development for it for companies and universities. That's big. It's actually still illegal. For right, schedule
1: major. one. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Uh, the other thing is uh, have a, a an interstate reciprocity agreement. So even if we have our own medical program, and Pennsylvania has a medical program, if somebody utilizing the Pennsylvania program. Crosses state lines to go to a WVU game in Morgantown. Illegal. They're breaking the law. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. And that is and crazy. That yeah, is reciprocity laws are.
2: That's wild. <laughs> yeah. And so my bill fixes that, and uh, and it legalizes edibles, but don't tell anyone that. <laughs> 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 uh, some some fixes that we need to have.
1: Um. Yeah, certainly. And I'm sorry. Just, we got so many responses, so I want—I do want to give our listeners justice to some of the things. Um, criminal justice reform. It, it, I, from my research, House Bill Two Three O Five, and maybe you're a lead sponsor on that, says creating a tax credit for hiring an ex-felon um, because it does seem like jail. I mean, if we just think about jail in theory, prison in theory, it's you did something bad we're going to hold you over here for a while, hopefully to rehabilitate you and then say, okay, when you leave jail, you should be a productive member of society. You've paid your, you know, you've done the time for your crime, yada, 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 but that's great. That's very, you know, whatever, theory based. But then in reality in America, it's extremely hard to come out of jail because you have that mark on you. It, there's all these different hidden court fees and appearances. And if you don't make it to this court date and time, they do X, Y, Z. And then your employer, like it's very, very difficult to get over you know, a non-violent. and we're not talking about like, you know, given leniency to violent crime here, but we're talking about just like general, you know, one, two year, three years in jail, that's going to affect you for 15 easy 15, 10 years after it's going to take you to shake that. Um, talk to me about whatever this bill, this creating a tax credit for hiring an ex and house bill 2305. What is that? And then what do you think West Virginia from a state perspective and a federal, it's out of your hands, but from a state perspective, like what can we do?
2: So we've done a lot on the criminal justice reform front for the past few years. Um, you know, we did have the second chances for hope bill, uh, that I I voted for. I don't, I can't recall if I was one of the the co-sponsors on it, but, but basically it makes it to where if you've been expunged as a, as an ex convict, you don't have to tell the person, the company that you're trying to apply for a job for that that you, you are an ex convict after so many years and after certain programs that they've gone Mm -hmm. through. And, uh, and that's, Took a big step. the The issue is, even if you don't have to tell them, all you got to do is Google somebody's names. Like, do I want to hire somebody? And mm-hmm. then you Google them Oh, they clearly, you know, they yeah. were on the, in the paper on the news saying they they robbed somebody or they they, uh, you know, they were caught with with um, so much uh, 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 controlled substance. And so that's why we have to protect the companies as well. And incentivize companies to hire a lot of these folks. There are 150,000 ex-convicts in West Virginia. People don't realize wow. how many we have. 100. I did not realize 000. that. Wow. Yes. Um, now there's only 30,000 current prisoners, but yeah, 150,000 former, uh, former ones. And and so I have that bill that you mentioned, and a component bill that I'm the lead sponsor, uh, creating a tax incentive for a a percentage of the the ex-convicts. Uh, salary. North Carolina has this, and it's it's working wonders down there. And then the other thing, this is this is more important than the salary tax incentive. It's liability protections. People don't want to hire somebody if they think they're going to get sued, or they're going to have a big insurance issue, if they they you know they they commit another crime under their watch. Um, and that's the issue is, is people simply don't want to take that liability, Mm -hmm. whether it's somebody who happens to have had a DUI becoming a a truck driver. You know, they, they had a DUI, they made a mistake when they were 22 years old and 10 years later, they want to become a a truck driver. Somebody doesn't Mm -hmm. want to take that liability, that chance. Mm -hmm. So having a liability protection for the, for the company, not necessarily for the employee Mm but for the company is going to go a long way in encouraging people to hire uh, some of these people who've who've um, who've
0: changed their lives. It's hard to rebuild. It's hard to build a bridge after you've already burned it. You know. So building that trust, I'm sure, is very difficult for people. You you had said 150,000 convicts. Is that anybody that served any time? Is yes. that just okay? Um, yeah. I mean, and that I, is. It, that's not felons.
2: That's all convicts. I, all crimes. A lot I'm of people. Just, yeah. A lot people.
0: Do you enjoy this? Have you enjoyed your time?
2: <laughs> uh, sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, I, I ask honestly. It looks hard, man. It's it, it is hard. Yeah. Just it, it, for us to throw these things at you and just have you, you know, rebuttal and, you know, just have opinions on everything. I mean, to a point, I'm sure it is exhausting. But is it, although thankless, have you enjoyed what you do for the most part?
2: For, for the most part, uh, CJ, I, I really have. Uh, I think that the most rewarding part is getting those stories, like I mentioned, of people who've, who've come out um, um, because I came out publicly. Uh, that was very rewarding, I have to say. And then, and then also from a policy standpoint, when I worked for six months to get, uh, to get a, a bill across the finish line, and I, I, I whip it in the House, I control it over in the Senate, get the governor to, to finally sign it. That's what makes it rewarding. That's why I have run for re-election twice and in mm-hmm. my third term now. Uh, and, and that mm-hmm. is an immensely rewarding feeling.
1: Yeah. Every two years, right? You run for reelection every two years. And what I didn't, what I read, I was not aware of this is that it's considered like a part-time, like you're a part of the house mm-hmm. of delegates, but it's part-time. Meaning this is not like you're it's normal for delegates to have like a full-time other job. Like, and that's different than other States where it's like they're hundred percent, like this is what they do. Um, so what are your, do you have like plans on this is kind of like you said, you want to eventually teach, like, are you going to look to do, um, you know, you're going to stay in West Virginia, open a business, like what's kind of your long-term plan here?
2: Yeah, so I, I plan to stay in West Virginia. Um, we're supposed to be a part-time legislature. Um, about about thirty states are part-time. Whether it's you know sixty or ninety days, some go for eight months out of the year. California is full-time, like Congress. Uh, it just depends on the the size and 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 um, wealth of the state.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, for us, you know, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be in a few months out of the year, and then we come in for a week every every month for interims. Uh, but it feels more like full-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so most of us have uh, you know, a job or income outside of, of the legislature, but I think about 40 of us are students, retired, um, have other sources of income, like a spouse that, that helps. So it's, it's uh, at least in the House, the Senate is, is a different case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I eventually plan on teaching as soon as I get around to finishing grad school. Yeah. So, slow process you Dude, got
0: um busy guy. yeah busy busy man and and you have that picture of you and governor justice together yeah. um tell us something about big jim that the rest of us don't know
2: <laughs> well he he invited us over to the governor's mansion for a barbecue okay. and and he he lured us there saying we'd all get pictures with him and maybe, <laughs> maybe i wasn't up. even there oh what well, uh, a still, shame i'm still mad about it <laughs> Because <laughs> I wanted a picture of the three. Uh, so something about Governor Justice is um, he's very folksy, yeah, very folksy. Sure. and, and yeah. he and I have had our disagreements. I'm not going not gonna to sugarcoat that. We've had a lot of disagreements. Here. But uh, he's got a good heart, and I think he's got the best interests of the state in mind. Um, and. Um, He's, he's a very committed man to serving yeah.
0: the state. Let me ask you this too, because I, I, I do find it interesting, maybe a different perspective from somebody that is inside the game of politics in West Virginia. Baby Dog has become the freaking face of the state. And I mean, it is like do it for babydog.com to get, you know, to win a million dollars for getting the COVID shot. Is you that know, the actual it, it URL? Just, I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, But just like I, I think some people are embarrassed others just love it where do you kind of stand on this i'm not even sure where i kind of stand on this
2: i think you the pro baby, baby dog, dog drugs,
0: are you pro baby money but <laughs> is it too much
2: it's gonna be it's gonna be on my my campaign slogan you know I, i'm pro second amendment pro baby <laughs> dog kicks in the roads that's,
0: that's uh, <laughs> sneaking in there
2: yeah, yeah. um I, mean, I i'm a dog guy right Right. Uh, but i uh uh, I, I for for when it comes to the vaccine rollout, I want what works, and uh, I I don't think necessarily that the the financial incentives are working. In fact, on Sunday we only had 67 people in the whole state getting vaccinated, 67. Yeah. <clears throat> At the start of the of the vaccine rollout, it was something like five or six thousand a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that part is not working. I think that everyone is talking about baby dog. They're not talking about uh, the financial
1: yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and so I, yeah. I if it's if something trendy works
1: hey, do it yeah, go yeah. For it.
2: especially yeah. some something as cute as baby
1: dog yeah I
0: will say for in terms of like the vaccines I think it's pretty clear that the people that wanted to get the vaccine they've already gotten it you know yeah. I, I don't think these financial incentives are like getting the souped up truck mm-hmm. or guns or whatever it is going to like maybe it makes a difference for a small amount of people like a handful but I don't <laughs> think that if you've got the shot, if you, if you want to get the shot, you've already gotten it. So that kind of, that doesn't surprise me that the number has dropped, you know, dramatically.
2: Yeah, it, it has, um, and our initial rollout was amazing. And we were the best right. in the country. And that's yeah. uh, because we, we did things differently. We partnered with, with, with some of these uh, uh, private companies and, and the National Guard did a lot of it through the health departments. Um, so we just had a different system that, that worked quickly and, and efficiently, which is good. Um, but I, I, I wish I had the answer to how we, we rev up, uh, the, the vaccine rollout and rev up our numbers, but I don't, um, I, I, yeah, I, I wish we had a better marketing strategy for it.
0: Yeah. I don't even think I really asked a question there. So don't worry. There was no answer
1: for For baby dog,
0: but, uh, no, no. Yeah. Do do it for baby dog. So
1: look, Josh, we'll keep, we'll keep on this. We'll keep on us our time. It's been 45 minutes. Um, I will say that I would encourage you to do a podcast because I think, um, and I'm I'm traditionally, like, I feel like I'm an independent, not really, like, I don't really even follow politics that closely. I'm more of just, like, I feel like I'm a pragmatic, business-minded, entrepreneur person. To me, politics is a little bit frustrating, and it, it doesn't seem to be the most efficient way our system is. But I will say that you coming on the podcast and explaining issues and not being afraid to be a Republican and say things that are not necessarily traditional Republican views goes a long way. Um, for the state. So I, I appreciate you doing that. And you're welcome to come on here and explain things. Um, you know, we can have newest conversations going forward. But I would encourage you back to what we were talking about earlier, is that I just think not, not enough people understand the actual process of stuff. They see social media headlines, tweets, because we've lived in through four years of Trump, where like, presidency by tweets like we all just got like boiled down to like this that little bite little bite little bite but like i think you have an opportunity to 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 explain stuff and educational um and of course some of it's going to be your opinion some of it's going to be what you're working on but i don't know to me i think it's a tremendous opportunity that west virginia could embrace and i I think we'd be all a better educated electorate for it if we had someone uh, like that doing it so a little bit of a you know insight and boost for you
0: yeah what's your it's your voice It it is your yeah i mean it is you 100 percent that's why you know it, you are in a fascinating position and people want to know what it's really like on the other side and i think giving some humanity to that is almost more helpful than just telling people why issues are important you know yeah. putting a little reasoning of like well, we're all humans here. We're just, we really are trying to do our best. You know, I think that is what almost wins people more often than not. So that kind of platform, this platform would be, yeah, I think uh, a a good boost for not just your personal and professional career, but just in general political nature in West Virginia would be benefited from that. So anyway, yeah, man, I I hope you do it.
2: I, I hope to. I hope to. Yeah, so just come on here. Just come on here to hang out. With yeah, them. just keep coming What's out. That? Yeah,
0: weekly yeah. update with Josh. Josh well, I like it.
2: Going back to what Cooper said, uh, you know, I think it was Winston Churchill that said that democracy is the worst form of government in history, <laughs> except except for all the others.
0: <laughs> so, uh,
2: and that's true. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Fair. Uh, because it's it's a, a horrible system but it is the best and most equitable thing that that we've come up with so mm-hmm. far. And, I agree. Um, and I think we've seen that as a country. Uh, we've, we've had the, the strongest economy, the strongest military, the, 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 the safest country in human history. Um, and I know people talk about these details. They talk about all these, these issues that we've got. But if you look at the progression of human history, uh, we are where we are because of Partisanship, because of good policy, because of uh, a, a Republican form of government, not a Republican party. Right. Mm-hmm. We are a republic, and uh, I think that that has allowed us to, to succeed as a society. and And it's clearly contagious because most of the world has uh, followed in our in our form of government, and most of the most other countries are are in line with uh, with what we have done and set up with our constitution. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll create a podcast. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. Getting Higgy with it probably. A I, I like that. It's a little, a, little, a little on the nose, but yeah. presented, <laughs>
0: presented by baby
1: dog.
2: That's right. <laughs> and uh, well, uh, uh, we'll see where we go from
1: here. So. Thanks, Josh. I agree with you. We should more think of ourselves, not Republican, Democrat, but West Virginians and citizens of America. And I think, you know, I think we'd be Came better off for it. So thank yep. you so much for jumping on. And we hope to talk to you soon, man. Cooper, CJ, thank you very much. Take care. Do it for baby dog.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in as always. That is gonna do it for our first episode in season two. Awesome stuff. Coop Mace, congrats for everything. We've made it far, we've made it this far, let's just keep on going. You guys are awesome, you guys are great partners, and the three of us I think are just, we just work together, we work together, so. Anyway, if you're listening to this, thank you guys for tuning in. Really do appreciate it. We'll be back again soon, and we've got a lot coming up here in the next year. We've got a lot of big plans, so stick with us. We hope that you are enjoying what we're pushing out, and we hope that you guys are doing everything that you can to improve this place that we call home, West Virginia, as well. So, guys, thank you again. Hopefully you listen to us again here soon. Take care, guys.